First of all, let me say how honored I am to have been asked to preach today. This church has so many excellent, wonderful, even famous pastors, preachers, orators in its past that I am truly humbled to be here today and have been asked to speak. Now, I consider myself much more of a teacher than a preacher, so you'll forgive me that I have my notes in front of me. I really marvel at our pastor, David Jordan, who week after week preaches without using any notes at all. I'm quite impressed with that. Maybe you are too. But if I don't have my notes, I may drift off into Never Never Land and take you with me on a trip that neither of us intended to go. And I'll also try not to bury my head in my notes because I think the glare might get to you at some point. So I hope you'll bear with me. But I would like for us to begin our time together today in a word of prayer. And for this prayer, I want to use the words of a fairly newly written hymn called Speak, O Lord. It's by Keith Getty and Stuart Townen. And I think the first verse of this hymn is a very appropriate prayer for us to use as we come to to study God's word together today. Let's pray together. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes. For your glory. Amen. So, this is the question that is before us today. How do we live out our faith in a meaningful way? How do we fulfill the purposes to which God has called each of us as his children, as followers of Christ? I appreciate my twin brother in Christ, Greg Smith, reading our lectionary passage for today. Yes, he is my twin brother. We uh, do have the same hairstylist. And people often get us mixed up. I know around here folks get Kristen and Kelsey mixed up, and there's quite a lot of uh, humorous stories about that. And people get Greg and I mixed up, and sometimes someone will come up to me and will give me a compliment that was intended for Greg. And you know what I say in response? Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. And then I'll follow that up with, I'll let Greg know Uh, But I appreciate Greg reading that. There's a lot that we could say about this passage in James. As you listen to those words, there's a lot that could be said. It's very practical. It's very down to earth. It's very motivational. It teaches us how to live. In fact, the book of James is very similar in scope and style and content to the wisdom literature of our Bibles. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, etc. It's very similar in scope to those in that it gives us a lot of imperatives. It gives us a lot of advice. It gives us a lot of proverbs, if you will, that we are to put into our lives to enact as we follow God, as we follow Christ. 
It tells us how we are to live. But I want us to focus our time today on that 22nd verse in that lectionary passage. The verse that says, be doers of the word and not merely hearers, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word. We're not just to read about our faith. We're not just to listen to sermons like this one. We're not just to attend Bible studies from time to time. We're not just to sit around and talk about the finer points of theology. And before you get upset with me, let me clearly state that all of these practices are good, worthwhile, necessary in our growth as followers of Christ. Yes, we are to read God's word, to read devotional literature, to read theological literature. Yes, we are to study God's word. Yes, we are to attend classes on God's word. I'm glad you showed up today to hear a sermon on God's word. Yes, it's good to talk theology, but I think what James is saying, we should not stop there. Pure, authentic faith is in action. Now, let me also clarify that I don't think James is promoting a works theology, a theology that says we earn our salvation by how we live or by what we do. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast, Scripture tells us. So I don't think he's going that far either. But I think if our faith is authentic, it should not stop with just hearing it, seeing it, studying it. It should be in action in our lives, living out our faith, serving others, living out our faith in Christ-like living, living out our faith by showing compassion, especially to the least of these. We have to roll up our sleeves, if you will, and get down to the sometimes messy business of putting our faith into action in our daily lives. Authentic faith must lead to action, period. Full stop. Now, this is not a new concept. This truth is not foreign to all of us. Have you heard statements like this? Actions speak louder than words. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. The proof is in the pudding. Talk is cheap. Let's see it in action. Or this very simple one, walk your talk. Now, I didn't include this one on the screen, but maybe you have heard one that goes like this. After all is, has been said and done, often, you may know the rest of it, more was said than done. Absolutely. Well, great theologians agree with this as well. Let's hear what some of them says. Swiss theologian Emil Bruner writes, there is no such thing as Christian faith apart from Christian conduct. One of my favorite, one of our staff favorites, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, writes this. Faith without works is not faith at all, but a simple lack of obedience to God. And our own Dr. Peter Ray Jones, our resident theologian, writes these words. Gallery Christians represent a contradiction of terms. 
We're not to just sit in the grandstands. We're not to just sit in the gallery and watch what's going on. We are to be down in the arena ourselves, working and putting our faith into action. Well, let's see what some other scriptures have to do to help support this idea as well. Listen to these. In Romans 2.13, we read, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Jesus' words in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, But he, Jesus said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. James, a little bit further in this same book, underscores this truth this way. Faith apart from works is barren. A pretty strong statement. And this one's maybe even stronger. For just as the body without the spirit or the body without breath is dead, so faith without works is also dead. We hear echoes of this in the golden rule. And everything do unto others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. And Jesus writing further there in Matthew chapter 7 in what we call the Sermon on the Mount said these words, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts upon them will be like the wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded or anchored on rock. But he goes on with this warning. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds beat against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Christ is the master teacher, the great instructor, the consummate educator. And he wants each of us as followers of Christ to be his disciples. And that word disciples, you know this, that word disciple means learner, student, protege, if you will, follower. Christ wants us to put our faith into action for a lot of reasons, certainly It will benefit others around us. Certainly, it will benefit the cause of Christ and his church in the world. But it will also help us grow and develop and mature in our own walk of faith, in our own journey. Have you ever come across the percentages of how we learn? This is interesting to me. We're told that people retain 10% of what they read. 20% of what they hear, 30% of what they see, 50% of what they hear and see, 70% of what they say or write, and get this, 90% of what they experience. So we learn best by experience. We learn best by doing. We grow the most in the fertile soil of putting our faith in action. Let me underscore it with these ways. And you could have thought of 20 more of these, I'm sure. We don't learn how to drive watching videos on driving. We don't learn how to swim by taking a correspondence course. 
We don't master a musical instrument simply by attending a lot of concerts. No, we learn best by doing. We have to put it into action. We have to do the hard work of crafting these skills by putting them into practice, putting them into action. We learn by doing, period. So it follows that as Christ's disciples, he wants us to put it into action that we ourselves might learn and grow. Well, James goes on to say, he underscores this a little bit further, starting at verse 23. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. Have you ever crammed for a test? I have. I hate to admit that. Here I am at the pulpit in this very historic church preaching this morning, and I am raising my hand. I have crammed for a test. Maybe you have too. Maybe just the day before, maybe the night before, maybe the morning of, and in some cases, maybe even just a few hours before the test, I was trying to fill my brain with all the facts and knowledge that I needed to take that exam later that day. Now, you know what happens to that knowledge when we have crammed for the test instead of lived with that for a while? What happens? It dissipates. It floats away. We forget it pretty quickly. It doesn't really make the difference that it was intended. We see, we read, we hear, but we quickly forget. It evaporates from our memories. We go on our own way with the truths of our faith having made little or no difference if all we do is hear and all we do is see, but not put it into action. Authentic disciples are learners, and we learn by doing, and we are to apply the truths of our faith by putting them into action. And when we put these truths into action, we retain these truths, we grow and mature thereby and become more like Christ in the process. Well, how does this putting our faith into action show up in our lives? Well, I think James outlines three ways. He talks about wholesome speech. He talks about compassionate deeds. He talks about Christ-like character. Let's look at how this passage ends, the last couple of verses. Here's where he talks about our speech. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Here's where he talks about compassionate deeds. Verse 27, when religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. And here's where he talks about Christ-like character and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Words. Our words betray our hearts and our innermost values, don't they? Words can easily hurt, harm, and can even destroy. But words can also affirm and build up. Words can also heal and bring people together. 
Words can also encourage. As followers of Christ, we are to guard our tongues and speak affirming, loving, kind, and compassionate words that build up others around them instead of tearing them down. Now, I could preach a whole nother sermon, and we could have several sermons even on the theme of the tongue and on our speech. The book of James outlines a lot about this. Read sometimes all five chapters of the book of James, and you'll find many verses that talk about our speech. But one way our faith is in action will be very evident is in our speech. The second is in our deeds, our compassionate care for those which I call on the margins of our society. Now, James here lists widows and orphans, but he just as well could have listed the least, the last, the lonely, the lost, the immigrant, the refugee. Those that are on the margins of our society, we are to have compassion for those that are going through such a hard time and not only have a heart of compassion, work for ways to alleviate the pain and the suffering that they are going through. And we are to grow such that the very character of Christ can be seen in our hearts and in our lives with all who meet us each and every day. How do I describe this character of Christ? I use the words that Paul used to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to ask ourselves, are those nine things that people would use to describe us and our life and our daily life each and every day, our interactions with them, Are those the words that would readily come to mind about our character? I had all of these concepts that James is talking about so wonderfully modeled in my own life by my own mother, Anne Green. Most of you know that my mother passed away earlier this year on March the 9th of this year. I had an especially close relationship with my mother. I called her every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We had kind of a standing date the last 12 or 14 years of her life. We would talk for an hour, maybe even over an hour, and I always marveled at all the ways mom was putting what we're talking about today into action in her heart and life. On the matter of speech or words, my mom had a saying. Maybe you've heard this saying. It's a good saying to know. If you can't say anything nice about someone, don't say anything at all. And she was good and true to that word. She had a lot of good to say about folks. Now, I've got to say here, there were some people mom didn't talk about much. I'll just leave it at that. You can draw your own conclusions. But she always had an affirming word, a good word, an uplifting word for people. On showing compassion, oh my goodness, I could go through a long resume of all the ways that mom, even into her mid and late 80s, she died at 87, was living out this compassion, putting it into action for years She taught the Rainbow Sunday School class at Dahlonega Baptist Church. The Rainbow Sunday School class was a class for developmentally disabled adults. 
marvelous, marvelous ministry that she carried on with them. She delivered meals on wheels to the poorest parts of Lumpkin County for years and years. She had a special place in her heart for widows, especially widows that were isolated, what we would call homebound, living alone. She would take food to them. She would send cards to them. She would call them regularly when she would check on them. She had a special place in her heart for widows. And this, at age 73, she nearly single-handedly started what has become a tradition in Lumpkin County, the tomato sandwich supper fundraising event for the community helping place. Well, what's the community helping place? In Lumpkin County, the community helping place is a social services organization that helps provide resources, medical and dental care for those who cannot pay in Lumpkin County. Over the 14 years or so that my mom helped head up that tomato sandwich fundraising event in Lumpkin County, they raised close to $400,000 for the community helping place. And my family was recently greatly honored to find out that they're building a brand new, what they're calling free clinic to provide dental and medical care and they're going to name it after my mom, Anne Green, the Anne Green Free Clinic. She put her faith into action. And on having and displaying a Christ-like character, well, I know I'm biased. She is my mom. But I always saw a great integrity of heart and life in her life. She walked her talk, as we say. I know that phrase is overused. But she was the same on Sunday as she was on Monday and on Saturday and on Thursday night as well. She had a heart of compassion. She was gentle. She was humble. She was understanding. She was loving. She was generous. She was kind. On and on I could go. I am so thankful to have had this modeled so well in my own life. Yes, putting our faith into action shows up, as James has just said, in our wholesome speech in our compassionate deeds, and in our Christ-like character. Now, some of us listening to this message may say to ourselves, I hear you, I get it, I understand, we're supposed to put our faith in action, but I'm too old for that. I've done my time. It's time for some other folks to take over and do these things. Some others may be thinking, well, I'm too busy with other things. Goodness, you should see my life, my work, my kids, my walking, my dog, extracurricular activities. My schedule's too full. I can't help with any of these. Or maybe some of us are thinking, I'm too young. I just don't know enough about this to put it into action. Someone older, someone more mature, someone more experienced should do these kinds of things. I say, as followers of Christ, we've all been gifted and endowed with a special gift that we can use to build up the kingdom of Christ. Something we can do, a way that we can put our faith into action. If we're in our senior years, we can pray, for sure we can pray. Oh my goodness, the church needs more and more what we used to call prayer warriors who earnestly and diligently pray for the needs of the saints and the work of the church and its influence in the world. We, as my mom has done, could write 
encouraging notes and send cards to people. We can make phone calls. We could check on people. Our senior care partners here at the church that Greg and I and Kelsey help lead, we have some wonderful folks that are doing some great work in these ways with the older folks of our congregation doing just that, calling, checking on them, sending cards, these kinds of things. If we say we're too busy, we can't make a long-term commitment to anything, what about this? What about volunteering for some of our community engagement events? We just had one a few weeks ago on our front lawn, the Decatur Lawn Party. We've got one coming up in just a few weeks, a very famous Decatur Book Festival. We need folks to volunteer to help host these events. If you can't make a long-term commitment to something, volunteer for this. It'll be just three, four, maybe five hours at most. You'll be blessed. The community will be blessed. It will be wonderful. And we have a lot more community engagement events coming up down the road. If we think we're too young, I'd like to say this. Now, I'm not an expert in this, but I'm going to make a statement that I believe to be true. This is my theory anyway. Any church that's thriving and growing and meeting the needs of the community around them has lots and lots of young folks that are giving of their gifts energetically to that. They bring creativity, they bring innovation, they bring technological know-how to those ministries of those churches. We need the young folks to be involved. This very day after our service, Kelsey's hosting some in in her home talking about young adult ministry and how young adults can develop a ministry of their own, but also ways that they can serve here in the church. She'd love to talk to you. I could go on and on. You know all of these. We have the assistance ministry. Maya and Wilson do a fabulous job helping the homeless in our area. They give them resources from our very front steps every Tuesday afternoon. They provide lunches on Thursday and Friday. I know they could use more volunteers. DEEM, the Decatur Area Emergency Assistance Ministry, which home base is just right over here at Trinity Episcopal, they always need volunteers. Even if you can only give one hour every month or maybe even one hour every other month, they'll take you, believe me, and you'll be blessed by that ministry. Catherine and I know wants more and more to join the choir. What a blessing and benefit being in a choir is. It's good for the heart. It's good for the soul. It's good for all. It makes you whole. We've got the Fresh Start ministry starting on September 19th. I'm sure they could use volunteers to help welcome or maybe help with the technology or maybe if you've played in a band before, be a part of the praise band. We've got the welcome team, the ushers, the library, the AV team, and I thank them for all of their help today. Volunteers are needed at our reception desk and in our welcome center on a day-by-day basis. I could go on and on. You know this church has lots and lots and lots of ministries. There's places where you can plug in, places where we can plug in, places where all of us can give of our time. We're not too old. We're not too busy. We're not too young to put our faith into action. Our faith should show up in action in our wholesome speech, our compassionate deeds, and our Christ-like character. We are called to be doers, doers of the word. 
and not merely hearers. We'll close today by singing a hymn, Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do. As we sing this hymn today, let's all make a commitment or a recommitment in our hearts and lives to put our faith in action, to be doers of the word that Christ has called each of us to. May it be so. Thanks be to God.